What is up guys, it is Quinn here, and in today's video, I'm gonna be talking about five players who are skyrocketing up my rankings. So for whatever reason, you know, whether it's injuries around them, you know, maybe legal updates, injury updates for these specific players, you know, like whatever the reasons are, these players are moving up my rankings. So I'm just gonna be going through these five players, kind of breaking down their current situations, talking about why I think, you know, they should be rising in ADP, why they're rising in my rankings. While you're watching the video, if you're enjoying the content, just do me a huge favor, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. You guys know the deal, but let's jump into the first player and it is going to be CD Lamb. If you've been following my channel, you know, throughout the off season or even dating back to last off season, I've kind of consistently been lower than consensus on CD Lamb. And so far, you know, I felt pretty okay with it. You know, he was drafted pretty highly last year. Didn't necessarily pan out, didn't live up to expectation. I didn't have any shares of him and I was pretty low on him basically throughout this entire offseason. But at this point, like, so when I say low on CD Lamb, like I wasn't like a hater. I didn't have him at like wide receiver 15, but he was consistently going as like the wide receiver six, you know, behind the uh, Diggs Adams tier. And he was going like early second round. I was not there on CD Lamb. I was more back end of the second round. Now he's got to move up for me. So he's like competing for that wide receiver six spot with Debo Samuel. Still kind of debating between those you know, two players, but he went from being like a late second round guy, in my opinion, to now mid to potentially even early second round. And so my issue with CeeDee Lamb is not necessarily with the talent, maybe a little bit with the talent, but overall, it just seemed like everyone was kind of penciling in CeeDee Lamb to have this massive workload. He was going to turn into this total alpha, and it's just not something we had seen in his first two seasons. He'd been very solid, but he wasn't a player who was commanding a huge target share. You know, there's competition around him. Heading into this season, it's going to be Michael Gallup. You have Dalton Schultz there. The running backs are catching passes. They had James Washington. You had Jalen Tolbert. So I was kind of just, you know, a little bit off on him. Didn't think I wanted to spend an early second round pick. But, you know, recently we find out James Washington fractures his foot. He's out six to 10 weeks. We find out that Michael Gallup's return, you know, like week one is apparently not a realistic timetable for him. So at this point, like... We're looking at the wide receiver room. Third round pick Jalen Tolbert is the number two option. And it just seems like at this point, like CeeDee Lamb is going to be force fed the ball. Before the last few weeks, I just wasn't sure that was the case. I know he'd be a high target share guy, but I didn't know if it would be enough to kind of carry him as an elite wide receiver one. I think he can do that. I actually saw a crazy stat. I think it was on Twitter. CeeDee Lamb is the only active Cowboys wide receiver with an NFL touchdown. That just really tells you about the state of their current wide receiver room. So C.D. Lamb is moving up my rankings. It doesn't seem like his ADP is really on the rise, basically because it was already pretty high. Like you can't really move him ahead of Diggs or Devontae Adams. But for me, he is someone that I am moving up. Now, the second player who was skyrocketing up my rankings, it is Alvin Kamara. So prior to, you know, the last few weeks, I've kind of had him as like wide receiver 15, somewhere in like the mid third round. Obviously, we had the concern with the legal situation, whatever. So that ADP was kind of up in the air. Recently, I'm moving him more in that like running back 9 to 11 range, kind of in a similar spot with guys like Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones. I think I'll have Saquon ahead of him, but kind of in that tier with those players. So he moves from a mid third round pick, in my opinion, to more of like a mid, maybe late second round pick. And the reason for this, everyone knows the whole reason why Kamara's value has kind of been tanked is that he had this potential legal situation. He could be suspended, like a six-game suspension. That's a pretty big hit to your lineup. 
So you don't want to be drafting someone in the second round if they're missing like, what is that, over a third of the season. So it makes sense why his ADP was there. But the thing is, his court date keeps getting pushed back. So now it's been pushed back to late September. And at this point, like if I had to guess, a suspension seems pretty unlikely to be given out this year. This is something that could drag into next year. So at this point, like I'm kind of willing to take the risk. I'm not really sure what the precedent is on this, but like I feel like they don't typically give suspensions like in the middle of the season, especially if it's something that's like already happened. Like if they kind of get through with this in like week six, are they going to be like, yeah, you're out week seven through week 11? Like I just don't really remember any instances of that happening. So at this point, it's definitely still a risk taking them in the second round. But it's one like I think is kind of worth taking now because with no suspension, like Kamara is a mid first round pick basically everywhere. So that's why he is moving up. You know, the update with his legal situation. The third player who I'm moving up my rankings is Chris Godwin. And really, this all comes down to his health. So we all know he tore his ACL uh, kind of in like the mid to back end of the 2021 season. But he did not start training camp on the pup list. That is great news. There's been optimism throughout the Bucks organization that he will be able to play in week one. He's kind of back at practice. I don't think he's like a full go, but he's doing drills, all that stuff. You know, the progression you would like to see out of someone coming off of an ACL. Right now, he's being drafted at around wide receiver 25, like an early sixth round range. For me, like I'm throwing him in my tier of wide receivers ranging from like wide receiver 15 to wide receiver 22. I kind of have a big chunk of guys in there. Obviously, I'm not going to be drafting him at wide receiver 15 because that's like the 3-4 turn. There's no need to reach for him there. But like he's going to be probably in my rankings, like a maybe late fourth round value. I'm going to be much higher on Godwin than consensus. You know, there's no guarantee he's going to be the same guy coming back from this ACL. But if he has like optimism to play in week one, I'm fine giving him a few weeks to get back. Looking back at last season, he was the wide receiver seven in PPR points per game. That was while competing with Antonio Brown. They do have Julio. They do have Gage. Those guys are not comparable to Antonio Brown last season. Brown was a stud. I feel like people don't really remember. And Godwin was still able to ball out. You also have Rob Gronkowski gone. This is still going to be a top-tier offense, high-volume passing attack. So I'm definitely moving Chris Godwin up my ranks. I was already high on him. I'm going to continue to be high on him moving forward. The fourth player who was moving up my rankings... This one may be a little bit of a surprise, but it is going to be Melvin Gordon. He's kind of moving up my ranks to be like a mid-tier RB3. I think you have like kind of after the dead zone, you have guys like CEH, Miles Sanders going off the board. And then there's like that next tier, guys. Melvin Gordon could be the player leading that tier. Maybe you throw Kareem Hunt ahead of him, especially if he's getting traded, moved, whatever. But like I would take Melvin Gordon over Damian Harris, probably over Singletary, Definitely over Rashad Penny. I kind of view him as like the discount uh, AJ Dillon slash Tony Pollard guy. I'm in on both Dillon and Pollard. People forget Melvin Gordon had standalone value last season in a committee. He was the RB24 in points per game. Now, obviously, that was like a 50 50 committee. It's likely not going to be 50 50 once again with Javante Williams, but he actually finished ahead of Javante Williams in points per game last season. Everyone loves to hype up Javante Williams. I'm a Javante Williams fan. He was a very good running back last year, but so was Melvin Gordon. That's why they were being used 50-50. Now, I don't think that's going to continue. There have been reports coming out that it's going to be like a 70-30 split. Some of the beat reporters for the Broncos have kind of pushed back on that. Like according to the reps chart, it's more of like a 55-45 split. 
even if it's like 60-40, which is probably more likely, you know, at least down the stretch of the season, Melvin Gordon can still be like a potential flex option on a week-to-week basis. Like this is not the same like backfield kind of volume and overall production as last year. This is going to be a much better offense, probably be more efficient. The touchdowns are going to be there like they weren't last year. Also potentially more receiving work. So even if, you know, they're losing out on, or at least Melvin Gordon is losing out on potential touches, I still think the efficiency is going to be better. The touchdowns are going to be better. And so he has flex value on a week-to-week basis. But the reason why you're drafting him, you're not drafting him to plug into your flex or be like your bi-week wide receiver too. You're drafting him because if Javante Williams goes down, he's one of these handcuff options where you can play him potentially week to week. But if the guy in front of him goes down, like Melvin Gordon becomes a top 15 running back, like the way people would be viewing Javante Williams if Melvin Gordon wasn't there, Javante would be picked as like a, probably a top six running back this year. So I'm not going to throw Gordon up there if Javante goes down. But Gordon's value just skyrockets if Javante Williams does get injured. So he's one of these guys I want to target where instead you feel like you're going after these like low ceiling guys, Damian Harris, Rashad Penny, like even if they're the guys in their offense, are they really giving you any ceiling? Gordon can give you a decent floor with Javante healthy, but then just has that crazy upside. So that's why I'm going after Melvin Gordon this year. And then the fifth and final player skyrocketing up my ranks, it is Julio Jones. It's not exactly hard to skyrocket when you know you're a free agent. Then all of a sudden you sign with the GOAT on one of the best passing attacks in the NFL. But this one, I'm kind of going to do an in-depth breakdown here because I feel like there's, you know, maybe not controversy, but there's a lot of different takes regarding Julio Jones, where he is in his career. Does he still have the juice? So I'm going to start off with his 2021 season. Definitely disappointing with the Titans. Did not go well. I'm just kind of going to run through that entire season. So week one, down game, three receptions for 29 yards. I'm also going to go through the snap shares because I think those are very important. So week one, 78% snap share. That's solid. He's healthy. He was the wide receiver two behind AJ Brown. Makes sense. Week two, arguably his best game of the season, six receptions, 128 receiving yards, 75% snap share. You're like, all right, this is starting to come together. Week three, he leaves with a hamstring strain. All right, the injuries are starting to come in here. Then he returns in week six, three receptions for 59 yards, 66% snap share. So potentially a little limited, not exactly a great performance, but he's coming off the injury. Then he leaves the week seven game with an injury. He comes back week nine, four receptions for 35 yards, 74% snap share. Not a great game, but then he goes on, he misses week 10 through 13. So it's clear he's playing through all these games injured, just kind of throwing that out there. Then he misses, did I already say this, misses week 10 through 13. Then he plays in 50% or lower snap share in week 14 through 16. So at that point, like he's hobbled, he's obviously not going to be producing. He misses week 17 because he's injured. Then he goes in week 18, one of his better games of the year, five receptions, 58 yards, and a touchdown. So you can view that a few different ways. I think the optimistic way you're looking at it is like, He started off all right. He had the 128-yard game. Then he gets injured, and then it kind of derails his entire season. The other way is like, all right, his body's starting to break down. He's not the same guy. You know, the injuries are happening because he's older. Either one could be true, if we're being totally honest. But I also want to go back to 2020, because I feel like people forget Julio Jones was still very, very good in his last year with the Falcons. So he was the wide receiver 14 in points per game. He only played in nine games, 
So he also dealt with injuries that season, but he was playing through injuries, still producing, didn't get lucky in the touchdown department, but was still putting up solid numbers. I mean, he played in nine games, but had over 90 receiving yards in five of them. So over 90 receiving yards in over 50% of his games, very, very solid. And now we're going to kind of transition this to his new role with the Buccaneers. So maybe he's the wide receiver three, maybe it's Gage. If you're drafting Julio and he's producing, it's because he is the wide receiver three in this offense. And that basically comes down to, does he still have the juice? We'll probably just know based on how the Bucks kind of employ these wide receivers. Also, he could have, you know, potentially a foot in the door if Godwin does miss time, even though I think he will be ready for week one. But just looking back at its wide receiver three role. So this is what Antonio Brown played last year. And remember, Antonio Brown finished as the wide receiver seven in points per game. That number is going to seem even more impressive when you look at his snap counts. So he played in five games as the wide receiver three behind both Evans and Godwin. So both Evans and Godwin were healthy in these games. These were his snap counts, 65%, 44%, 51%, 57%, and 49%. Those are not huge numbers. And I think this may actually be ideal for Julio Jones because if he still does have the juice, these numbers are going to keep him healthy, but he obviously can still produce on it. So that is the upside here. I think I'm going to be higher than consensus on Julio Jones just because I think, you know, the risk is not really going to be there. He's not going to be going like round seven, round eight. I'm guessing he's going more like round nine, round 10, maybe even later than that. So at that point, like I'm willing to take a shot on him. I think if Evans and Godwin are healthy, his ceiling is probably like high-end wide receiver three. Maybe he sneaks in as like a back-end wide receiver two. But I think his legit upside comes in if potentially Evans or Godwin go down. Obviously, Evans is kind of always banged up, but always plays. Godwin coming off the ACL. If he's slotting in as the wide receiver two, then that's really where you're seeing the upside. And obviously, that's contingent on him still being you know, a stud player. I'm not trying to argue that he's still in his prime or anything. He's clearly not, but I mean, Antonio Brown wasn't in his prime last year and was still delivering for the Buccaneers. So those are the five players who are skyrocketing up my rankings. Let me know what you guys think about these players down below in the comment section. I'll get back to everyone who comments. Going to be posting daily throughout the rest of the offseason and throughout the season. So thank you all for stopping by and I'll see you guys in the next one.